You're listening to A Prophet, a collaboration between Sakhlain and Al-Hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sakhlain.org support. Now, before we examine what happened in that combat, I want you now just to imagine and visualize the situation of the Muslims and how their hearts were trembling. Number one, remember that the enemies were 4,000 from Quraysh. Quraysh only had 300 horses and some 1,500 camels. Put all the mushrikeen and their aides on the other side of the trench, they were at 10,000. And how many were the Muslims? About 1,000. So now you're 1,000 being faced with how many? 10,000. Imagine that in itself casting terror in the hearts of the Muslims. Number two, from the inside, Banu Quraidha, the Jewish tribe, had broken the treaty. Remember from our previous class? They broke the treaty and they were intent on making a surprise attack from within Medina. So now you are surrounded by 10,000 people from the outside and from the inside you have a strong Jewish tribe that's committed treason by ripping apart the treaty with the Prophet and they were intent on killing the Muslims or doing something despicable. So imagine the Muslims in that state. Um Salama in one hadith narrates, she states, I witnessed with Rasulullah a number of battles. Muraisi, Khaybar, Hudaybiyah, the, the, the conquest of Mecca, Hunayn. But I did not see the Prophet more overwhelmed and the Muslims more frightened than I saw them at the Battle of Khandaq. So she's testifying that this was the most frightening battle that the Muslims had to go through. Because just imagine the scene right here. Jabir ibn Abdullah al-Ansari, he states, our fear for our women and children in Medina from an attack by the Jewish tribe was greater than facing the enemy. Because remember, the Muslim women and children were kept safe in the forts of Medina inside. We described that in our previous classes. Now you have the fort of Banu Qurayla inside Medina. So within minutes, they could have captured those women, children, slaughtered them, raped them. We don't know what could happen to them. Jabir says that fear was worse than confronting the enemy. Because now your mind is preoccupied with your wife and, and kids. So it was really difficult. And in fact, there are narrations that indicate Banu Qurayla had decided to make a surprise attack at night in Medina and they dispatched Huyay ibn Akhtab, you know that evil manipulative leader who convinced them to break the treaty with the Prophet. They sent him to the Quraysh asking them for 1,000 fighters in order to help them make a surprise attack from inside Medina. When the Prophet is informed of that, he dispatched 200 Muslims to go and guard Medina to make sure that they don't have a window to make that surprise attack. So the Muslims were in a lot of fear, but the pagans were partying. 
One historical narration narrated by Ibn Shahr Ashub states that they were drinking, they had singers singing for them, and they were dancing and partying on the other side of the trench. Now when you as a Muslim, you have that fear and you're shaking and the other guy is, is partying, that even puts you in a more miserable situation. Like these guys don't care, they feel so confident and strong. It really is scary. So the Prophet makes a prayer here. The hadith states, when the Prophet sees this miserable situation, he falls on his knees and he raises his hands in dua and his tears fall from his eyes and with a sad voice he states, Ya Sarih al-Makrubi, O the one who responds to the distressed ones, Ya Mujib da'wat al-Muttarreen, O the one who responds to the Muttar, the one who has no way out, Ikshif hammi wa karbi hani. Remove my distress, you see what I am going through. Very critical, I want you to visualize this cinematically. Remember, we mentioned what was the entire population of Medina. Remember from our previous classes? 3,000. You're confronted with 10,000. So imagine if you live in a city of 2 million, you have an army of 10 million surrounding you. And then from inside, there is an act of treason where the women and the children could get killed any minute and you will get eradicated. And there is no one on the face of the planet to help you. Imagine that. So the Prophet makes this prayer. Let's look at the Quran how it describes this scene. Surah Al-Baqarah, verse 214. Why is Allah trying the mu'mineen, the believers, the Muslims like that? The Quran states, do you suppose that you'll enter paradise untouched by the suffering endured by those who passed away before you? You think it's free to go to heaven? You will be tried. There is suffering. They were afflicted by misery and hardship, those previous nations, the mu'mineen. Until. They were tried so hard, the previous nations, such that the Prophet, their Prophets, would say, Ya Allah, when are you going to give us victory? When? We don't have a way out. Imagine Musa, picture the scene. Fir'aun and his massive army chasing them to the banks of the sea. So you have a huge army behind you and in front of you there is a sea. What does Musa tell his people? What, what, do they, what do the people tell Musa? Musa, that's it, we're gone. In front of us, the sea, behind us, a massive army of the Pharaoh, they've come with one intention, to slaughter us. What does Musa say? Kalla, no. You people, you look at this materialistically. I look at this divinely. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know Allah is with us. He will find a way out. And that's when Allah tells him, split the sea. So even the believers, they will be tried in certain moments in their lives where they will say, Ya Allah, when? When is the victory going to come? The whole world is against us. When is the victory going to come?
In those moments, the victory will come. So the Quran is telling the people of, of, of Ahzab, the battle of the trench, you are being tried like previous nations. Then the Quran describes how they were surrounded by all sides at the battle of uh, Khandaq. This is now Surah Al-Ahzab, verse 10. They came from above you and from underneath you. Meaning on the one side, you have the evil pagans on the other side of the trench, 10,000. And from the inside, you have Bani Quraidah about to betray you. You're surrounded from all sides. The Muslims were so shaken, these companions, their eyes couldn't see anymore. Your eyes were stupefied with horror. And your hearts leapt into your throats. Have you seen when you get really scared, you feel like your heart is in your throat, you feel suffocating. That's how the Muslims were. The Quran then rebukes them and tells these companions, then you started having doubts and suspicion, suspicions about God. What does that mean, doubts about God? We're not going to win. All these promises are fake. Yeah, some of the companions thought like that. The Quran states, it is here that the mu'mineen, not these companions who had doubts, they're not fully mu'mineen. Yeah, they're Muslim, but they're not mu'min. The Quran states when the believers, the true ones, they saw 10,000 people on the other side, Bani Quraiza committing treason, and the companions, these other Muslims, they're having doubts in God and they're suffocating. The mu'mineen who had no doubt in Allah, they're like, this is a tough trial. They're like, how are we going to get out of this one? They were shaken. Even the mu'mineens were shaken. The mu'mineens didn't have doubt. Make that distinction. The mu'mins didn't have these doubts about God. It's these other companions who had those doubts. But when the mu'mins saw this, they're like, oh God, what do we do now? Even these Muslims are trembling with, with, uh, with fear. You know, we know God is going to give us victory, but how is this going to happen? So really it was a big trial even for the mu'mineen. Otherwise the believers had firm faith. Allah states in Surah Al-Ahzab verse 22, When the true believers saw the parties at the battle of the trench, meaning the pagans, even though we're in a desperate situation, but we believe in the promise of Allah and His Messenger. Allah and the Messenger never lie. That's who a believer is. In these difficult moments, his iman grows. Instead of having doubts, they're like, now we even believe more in Allah. Even though they were minutes away from being just annihilated. But in those moments, they felt the presence of Allah. What about the hypocrite companions? What did they do? As for the hypocrites and those who have a disease in their hearts, they said, All these promises from God and the Messenger, they're fake. It's all fake. Well, then one, one group of the companions 
who are hypocrites. What did they say? Ya ahla yathrib la muqam lakum farju'u wa yasta'dhinu fariqun minhum an-nabi wa yaquluna inna buyutana 'awra wa ma hiya ba'awratin in yuriduna illa firara. When they saw that desperate situation they're like I'm not fighting here. Forget it. These this prophet he's going to lose. I'm not going to sit here and be butchered by these pagans. So they came to the Prophet, they told him, Ya Rasulullah, our buyut is awra. You know, we want to protect our homes. We have women and children there, so give us permission to leave. But the Quran says they're liars. They weren't concerned about that. They just wanted to escape. They didn't want to defend. Uh, no, this is uh, verse, we just read verse 22, so the verse after that, verse 23. No, they were Arab tribes, but they had collaborated with the Jewish tribes to come here. Remember we talked about Huyay ibn Akhtab, the leader of Banu Nadir, he went and he mobilized them, but they, the, the fighters were not Jewish. Yes, yes. Now, do you want to even know what a bigger disaster was on the night of the battle? Many companions just left the Prophet. I will narrate for you these sources. Dahlan in his Sirah book, Dahlan is a uh, Sunni historian who has the work of Sirah. He states that the companions kept leaving, leaving, leaving the Prophet until only 300 remained with the Prophet. How many were they initially? 1,000. So 700 left. Now you can imagine the fear when 700 just leave you like that. In fact, one hadith from Hudayfa, Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman, the very great companion, he says 12 remained with Rasulullah. The others fled. Another hadith in the tafsir of Qummi states that only a few remained. It's very sad. I will share now with you a hadith, my dear brothers and sisters, from Tabari. Tabari is a hardcore Sunni historian. You know what he says? I'll summarize to you what he says. He states, Aisha narrates this. Aisha, Aisha was there during the battle of Khandaq. She says, I was there and basically I saw Sa'ad ibn Ma'ad, the great companion of the Prophet and she has a conversation with him. After that, she says, I went to a corner, it was like maybe a small garden or corner somewhere there where I found Umar ibn al-Khattab and Talha hiding, covering their faces. So I told them, what are you doing here? Umar kept rebuking me, shame on you, why did you come here? How dare you come here? Why did you come here? She says he shamed me so much until I really felt bad. And then Umar admitted that they had escaped and fled. Talha gets frustrated, he looks at Umar and he tells him, you know basically why are you exposing us in front of her? Then he tries to fix it, he told her we have come to escape for Allah. I don't know what that means. You guys can interpret that what that means. I'm not going to give you my own analysis. But he basically, 
tells her, look, because the Quran condemns those who run away from the battle. There are verses that really condemn them hard. So he says, we're not running away from the battle, we're running away for Allah, towards Allah. I don't know how that adds up. Another miserable, things ha miserable thing happens right before the combat, Sa'd ibn Ma'ad, who was a very righteous companion of the Prophet, he gets shot. They shoot him with an arrow that lands on his arm and it cuts the main artery. So he begins to tremble and the blood is gushing from him. But Sa'd is a man full of Iman. You know what Sa'd states? He says, Oh Allah, I beg you to keep me now and not have me die just so I can see how the enemies will be humiliated and how your Rasul will be given victory and then I'll die. They say as soon as Sa'd made that dua, the blood stopped flowing and subhanAllah later after the battle of Khandaq, we'll see later he dies from this injury. But he says, Ya Allah, just keep me right now. I want shahada. I want to be a martyr. He specifically asks Allah for martyrdom. But please, let me just see how your Rasul achieves victory over these evil people. Look at the iman of this man. And then he was also close to Bani Quraiza because he had historical ties with them. He's like, Oh Allah, and I want to see how you're going to punish these evil members of Bani Quraiza who committed treason like that. So please keep me Allah, not now. The Prophet ordered for Sa'd ibn Ma'ad to be taken to the tent of Rafida in the mosque of Rasulullah Rafida was a nurse, basically. She had set up a tent inside the masjid of the Prophet to treat the wounded. So the Prophet said, take Sa'd now that he's been shot, take him to that tent, let her treat him. And subhanAllah, we see these great women also helping in any capacity that they can to support the Prophet and the Muslims. Tafsir al-Qumi narrates the Prophet himself also uh, helped him, you know, with his injuries. 